All right. This is the conclusion of a two-year program to read through the whole Bible. We finished the book of Revelation last week, so this morning we're going to do a review of the whole Bible. So, I hope you can tell what that picture is. That's the creation. (laughs) As everyone knows, the Bible starts with the creation. And what's that picture? That's the New Jerusalem. Very good, yeah. It's a perfect cube. Height, width, and depth all the same. Um, Which relates to what in the Old Testament? Yeah, the most holy place in the temple. That's right. Now, if it wasn't for one event... We could put these two right next to each other and not have anything else in the Bible. <laughs> What's the one event? Jesus Christ. Well, the unfortunate dietary decision. Yeah. That's the, un- that's the one event. If it wasn't for that event, the, the Garden of Eden and the sin, we could, we could move this right down there and that would be it. But... Um, one of the things that I'm going to talk about in the lecture coming up, which is less than a month from now, Saturday the 8th of November, it's about the temple. And um, I'm going to talk about something I've talked about in here before, but it's been a while. And that is that when God created the heavens and the earth, He created them to be a temple to Him. The, the new, This is the new heavens and the new earth. It's simply the fulfillment of what the original heavens and the original earth were intended to be. And and this is what caused it to take so long. That's why it didn't happen when it was supposed to, because uh, Adam and Eve brought sin, pollution into the world. And so God God's purpose never changed. And he, God is not going to be thwarted. He's going to accomplish His purpose. So the rest of the Bible is the very long involved process of getting back from where we started back to where God intended us to be. So this, what happened in the Garden of Eden is this major transition. What chapter is that, by the way? Yeah, that's Genesis 3. So then, I'm going to jump. We're just going to cover some of the major turning points in the history here. Um, the people got so wicked that it was necessary for God to clean the place up. and He did it with, with a flood here in the days of Noah. And this is a major event. I, I'm, I'm basically gauging major events by how often they are referred to later in the Bible. And this one is referred to a lot. It, it's, it's a foundational principle. After the ark, we see sin coming in real fast after that. I don't have the Tower of Babylon here, but that's one of the indications that things were still not what they ought to be. And so God picked a new way of moving forward toward His plan. And the new way was with a person. Who was that person? Yeah, that was Abraham. And 
So with Abraham, God separates a person that He says, I know you will teach your children to obey Me. And out of from Abraham, of course, came Isaac and, and uh, Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. Twelve tribes of Israel go down into Egypt. And um, this represents their coming back out, Ten Commandments. Um, what book is that in? Yeah, the book of Exodus. Yeah. Um, and then uh, jumping way forward in time, but not not very far forward in terms of God's um, purposes for for the whole for the big scheme of things. In terms of the history, the next major, very major event can be symbolized here with the picture of Solomon's temple. Um, We've got the this kind of symbolizes the whole wilderness wandering. They come they come into the promised land under Joshua, and then very rapidly go right back down into the sin they left. We have a period of several hundred years. It's covered by one book. What's that book? Judges. Judges. Yeah, several hundred years, and they just go from bad to worse. After the judges. Uh, God finds a, God appoints a man, picks him very young, to turn the people back to God. Who is that man? Uh, before that, although he's related to David, Samuel. Samuel, yeah, related not by birth, but related in that he's the one that anointed David to be king. And Samuel has turned them back to God. The first king was not the kind of person God would have, it was the kind of person people would have, Saul. And then, of course, David was the man after God's own heart. David is the one who really... I mean, this sounds strange, but David is the one who really accomplished this. He was the one who granted peace to the kingdom. I mean, they'd been under they'd been under constant war from the time they they came into the land under Joshua. Under David, he conquered all the surrounding countries, and once he got once he had rest from all of his all the nations around him, he decided, hey, it's a, let's build us a temple. And, and of course, God was the one that said, no, you're not the one to do it. Your son will do it, and his son. Solomon inherited the kingdom at peace and using the plans that David had drawn up, built the, built the temple. Connected with that is a whole section in our Bible. Um, connect, David was the one who, more than anyone, formalized the worship. And what book of the Old Testament really goes along with that formalized worship? The Psalms. That's right. Um, and so we have what we call the section called Poetry and Wisdom. Uh, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. And most of the books are written right around that time. And I mean, Solomon wrote 
most of Proverbs, of course, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon. David wrote a good part of, of Psalms, although the, the book of Psalms continued to be right at, continued to be added to for, for several hundred years after that. Um, but many of the Psalms were written with the intention of being used in the public worship. David was the one who uh, appointed temple singers, and there was uh, Asaph who was in charge of the singing. A lot of the Psalms have his name. I'm not sure that he wrote them all. I think that it was probably some of them, I think, were uh, written by the group of people that he founded because they, they continued in the temple for quite a few hundred years. Not very long after this, now this, this was the peak, the high point in the Old Testament. It's all downhill after that. Um, and, the, and the major downhill issue was this divided kingdom. Whose fault was the divided kingdom? David's fault? <laughs> if we want to go back that far, I would suggest we go back to Adam. <laughs> yeah. God said it was Solomon's fault. Um, he, um, he married all these foreign women and then he started building temples t- to their gods right there in Jerusalem. Um, so God took most of the of Israel away. His son Rehoboam got this little piece called Judah. Um, the rest of it was called Israel, the ten tribes. And, and that then forms the background for the next several hundred years of history. Um, what books cover those years? First and Second Kings. And? Yeah, Second Chronicles. That's right. Um, and when you study that, you need a king's chart to keep track of who it is, because they've got both both the um, kingdoms competing with each other, sometimes fighting each other, occasionally cooperating, which sometimes was worse than the fighting. This introduces a new phase in the Bible, though. We we're introduced at this point to prophets now. Of course, we'd had prophets since way, way back. Um, Moses, of course, was a prophet. Um, but and, and this prophet, of course, who was who that guy? Elijah. That's Elijah, yeah. He, he did not write a book, but he lived at the time when prophets were writing. And so we have the five major prophets and the twelve minor prophets uh, who were the who were the writing prophets, and they did not, not they did not begin as far as we can tell they did not begin writing at all until the divided kingdom. They continued writing until the very end of the Old Testament. Uh, the last book in the Old Testament, I think, was probably written actually a little bit after the last historical book. Uh, the historical books take us through. Nehemiah, I mean the last one in chronological order, but I think Malachi was wrote just a little bit beyond that. But the prophets were trying to turn the people back to God, and at different times they had greater or lesser success. But it was mostly a downhill slide. 
finally ending it what with what event? Yeah, the destruction of the temple, carrying away into captivity where? Seventy years in Babylon. Yeah, in Babylon. So that's one of the lions from the Ishtar Gate in Babylon. So that represents the Babylonian captivity. And there's a, I don't have any more pictures of the Old Testament after this, but that they did come back. And they were very happy to come back. There's some psalms where they just really rejoice and it's a, it was certainly a wonderful thing. But they were really still in slavery. And they even state, they even say it in, that, in those words. Um, they, in, the time, in the Bible times, they never did become a free people again. They, they were... Uh, for the rest of the Old Testament, I say Bible times, I mean in the times of the written... Uh, up through the book of Malachi, that they were um, in, in through the end of the Old Testament, they were subject to the the uh, Persians. Um, they actually became free for a short time between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew. There was a time when there were some some kings called the Maccabees who who, who reigned for a few years, and then they were actually free. They were they were they were self ruling, and that event is actually foretold in the Old Testament by which prophet? Yeah, the prophet Daniel predicts the, the time. Yeah, he doesn't use the term Maccabee, of course, but um, so the next major event is Jesus coming to do what was promised way back here when God cursed the serpent and promised that the seed of the woman would crush his head while he would crush the heel of the of that promised one. Um, and then after Jesus ascended into heaven, we have a period of several decades during which the New Testament was written. And we have a good part of the New Testament are letters written to people. Sometimes just little notes almost kind of dashed off, so to speak. Um, second or third John would fall into that category. Other times, uh, very, very polished works like the book of Hebrews that we're going to be studying starting next week. And then the last book is the only book in the New Testament that would be a prophecy book, the book of Revelation. But I, I would like to suggest that I think in a very real sense the epistles match, they correspond to the prophets in the Old Testament. Um, because in the Old Testament you had that the prophets were writing not, not very often, they were not writing at all to predict the future. They, they, they almost always ended up doing that, but that wasn't their primary purpose. Their primary purpose was to try to turn people back to the law. And, and that's the same thing with the epistles. Even the epistles sometimes predicted the future, but their primary purpose was to try to turn people back to, to God. Or if the people hadn't wandered away from God, at least to encourage them to stay faithful to God. Now, I'd like to put in, at this point, I want to go back and, and talk about the different sections 
um, in, in the Bible. Um, these first four icons here, what book are they in? Yeah, they're all in Genesis, which seems odd that you know, out of all these pictures, I'd have four of them devoted just to the book of Genesis. But it, it it's the foundational book, and it's the it's the book that, that gets referred back to more than about any other book in the Old Testament. Uh, the book of Genesis is one book in what section? Pentateuch. Yeah, the Pentateuch, also known as. The books of Moses, and also the the law. Yeah, all, all th- three names for the same thing. How many books are there? Five. Five. Yeah. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Um, Genesis covering a huge. I, I've got another chart after this where we we'll look at the timeline. But Genesis covers a long period of years. The rest of the of the law covers a short period, forty years really, and. and at the end of that, the law is complete. And, and the law was not added to after that. That's why I, I, I'm kind of comparing the, the prophets to the, the uh, writers of the epistles because the prophets did not give new laws. They're simply turning people back to the law they had had for so long. Now once we finish the, the Pentateuch, we begin another section, a fairly long section of the Old Testament, which we, we named what? The yeah, books of history. Yeah, from Joshua all the way through uh, Nehemiah and Esther. Uh, and that covers every, everything that's on, all, all the rest of these icons here are all covered by that history. Then during that history, we have the two other sections of the Old Testament. The one section that I, I talked about at the time of the temple was is the poetry and wisdom section. And then the other section is the prophet section. Now in the New Testament, we have four books devoted to Jesus Christ. We call those the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. How many books of history do we have? One, the book of Acts, covering several decades, mostly overlapping the epistles. And then we have the epistles mostly written by the Apostle Paul and then by several other people to finish them off and then finally the prophecy. So let's look at... This is a chart that Matthew did some time ago to show in chronological order where the... uh, where the different books fit. As you can see, Genesis is really long. <laughs> long history. From creation uh, up to uh, somewhere roughly... Let's see here. I, I take it up to about 1900 B.C., but this chart goes a little bit farther than that. Um, oh, I see it. There's no gap in between. <laughs> From the time the book of Genesis ends to the time Exodus starts, this gap. Um, so from about 1500 BC, we start from Exodus forward. Um,
Job is, is kind of an odd one. We, we, nobody knows who wrote the book of Job, and no one knows when the, he wrote the book of Job. We have a better idea of when Job lived, uh, in that uh, from the mentions of where his friends were from, uh, at least one of them was from one of the descendants of Abraham. Not, not Isaac, but one of the other sons that he had. Um, so that puts Job sometime after Abraham. But the one thing that's interesting about the book of Job is that there's not a single mention in the book of Job of anything that is found in the law. It, it's, um, it, it's, it's a man who was faithful to God, but he was outside of the Mosaic Covenant. And what's the theme of the book of Job? What's, what's the question it's trying to answer? Suffering. Yeah, this is a... You can give more than one answer to this, and this is a kind of a strange thing. Uh, it's, most people would say the book of Job is telling you why do people suffer. Uh, which the odd thing about it is it never answers that question. <laughs> but there is a question asked at the beginning of the book that it does answer. Um, I'll give you a hint. It's asked by Satan. Does that ring a bell? Anyone know what that question is? What has to do with does man worship God? Why does man worship God? Right. Yeah, why does man why does man worship God? Why does man serve God? The question is does Job serve God for nothing? <laughs> You've made a hedge around him. But basically, Satan's, Satan's point is, um, God, nobody would serve you unless you paid him to. Which, it, which you think about it is a terrible insult. And the rest of the book is basically answering that question, although Job doesn't understand that's what the question is. And by the... In fact, you don't have to go very far into the book to realize he's already answered it. Satan lost. <laughs> there are people, rare though they may be, who serve God without being paid to do it. They serve God because of who God is. They love God. Um, but then from Job's perspective, the, the book turns into a question of why, it, why am I suffering? <clears throat> Quite, quite an interesting story. Um, with Exodus, we, we have the ten plagues, one which is something that's referred back to many, many times in, in the, uh, the rest of the Bible. Uh, fundamental. Um, the book of Leviticus, what's it about? Mostly about the priests. Yes, it, it covers the... Um, the laws that have that are related to the tabernacle. Um, what's the book of Numbers about? Numbers. <laughs> for sojourn. Yeah, yeah. It's named Numbers, of course, because the people were numbered at the beginning and at the end of the book. In between that, was about how many years? 40. Yeah, about forty years. Um, and then, what's the book of Deuteronomy about? Laws again, yeah. What does the name actually mean? Ten laws. Oh, well, it means second. Yeah, second law. Yeah, it's a good guess. And it actually has the Ten Commandments in it. Um, it's the second time. <laughs> yeah, 
It's a review. Moses wrote it at the very end of his life. It's a review of the events of the of their journeys and the law. And it gives and 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 it doesn't just repeat the same laws. That there are a number of laws in Exodus, lots and lots of them in Leviticus, uh, some in Numbers, and then Deuteronomy does a repeat, but it's not just word for word. It's it adds uh, new features to it. So with that, the law was finally complete. And so then Joshua is the one who takes them across the uh, the Jordan into the land. Um, and then the book of Judges, we already talked about a horrible time. Name me, name me any Judges you can think of. There was a woman. Yeah, there was a woman. Deborah, yeah. All right. Gideon, yeah. Samson. Samson, yeah. We don't want to leave Samson out. Although, people might like to. Well, the odd thing about it is the Hebrew writer included him in the list of men of faith. And, and, and at the end of that list, he says, of whom the world was not worthy. <laughs> you know, you read about Samson, you think, okay, well, you, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody in the Bible that you couldn't find some really serious problems with. Except, of course, for Jesus. <laughs> it's just, it's just a, it's just, and I, and I, I'll tell you, I think God is did that on purpose when he did these stories. I think um, it was very important for all of us to understand that there's only one who who actually satisfied what God intended for Adam. There's only one. Um, even someone like David, a man after his own heart, you know, just failed terribly. Um, but he was still a man after God's own heart. Um, so Samson, uh, he's not said to be a God, man after God's own heart, but the Hebrew writer tells us he did his things by faith. So, um, During the period of the Judges, we have the story of Ruth. Why is that in the Bible? Or why was it written? Maybe that would be a more better way to put it, Ellen. Seeking birth to an ancestor yeah, she was she was the you know great several greats grandmother of David, which of course puts her in the lineage of Christ. And um, and yet, what was strange about Ruth? She wasn't a Yeah, she wasn't an Israelite. Um, she was a Moabite. And of course, it's a lovely story. Just just as far as stories go, it's a great story. But that the reason it's in there is because of uh, her child, who what it became. Um, then First and Second Samuel was originally one book, uh, and it, it, at the beginning, of course, it centers around Samuel because he's the one that's turning the people back uh, to God. At the end of the book, we have David, and yet it's not the end of David's reign. It's very interesting. The, the book takes us from the birth of Samuel to. David being fully established as a king, but he doesn't die in in uh, in the book of Samuel. And, I, and that the purpose of the book is not to give us a biography of David. The purpose of the book is to show how God took the people from being idolatrous losers to being people faithful to God with their own kingdom at peace. 
Uh, and then First and Second Kings were also originally one book, and they take us the other direction, <clears throat> from a, a nation at peace down to a nation that's been carried away into captivity in Babylon. And then First and Second Chronicles are parallel to to both Samuel and Kings. They they tell the exact same story, but from a, 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 a different perspective. Uh, the perspective of the chronicler is mostly on which kingdom of the two? Judah, Judah yeah. In fact, for a lot of the book, you wouldn't, wouldn't even know that Israel exists. <laughs> the only time Israel ever gets mentioned in the books of Chronicles is if they happen to interact with Judah. Judah is a faithful kingdom and Israel is there out. Um, you can see here we've brought in these prophets. I'll, I'll come back to them in just a minute. But uh, we come back to the history after the 70 years of captivity when uh, it, the book of Ezra tells about them coming back and rebuilding what? The temple. The temple. Yes. And then the book of Nehemiah, uh, which Ezra and Nehemiah were originally one book as well. Um, the, the book of, of Nehemiah then tells about building something else. What is that? The walls of Jerusalem. Yes. And so at the end of those two books, we've got Jerusalem back, not to its former glory, but at least back to where you can call it a, a, a decent city. It's got a wall around it. It has a temple. The people are, are, are worshiping God in the temple. And Nehemiah worked very hard to, to get rid of sins like breaking the Sabbath and, and marrying the people of the, the land instead of, of Israelites. And then during this period of the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, the, the story of Esther takes place. But she's not in Jerusalem. She's, she's the one that gets married to the king of Persia. And she's the one that saves her people from uh, being wiped out by the wicked uh, Haman. Now, coming back to the sections we skipped, the green sections are the poetry and wisdom. We talked about Job, Psalms being the songbook of the of the Jewish people. Proverbs concerned with what? Wisdom. wisdom. Yes, mostly written by Solomon. Ecclesiastes being concerned with what? <laughs> the uselessness of life without God. Yes, the vanity of life without God. And Song of Solomon is about what? Marital love. Romantic love. Yeah. And then the prophets come in um, and, and just a wide assortment. A wide assortment of things they talk about. Um, Joel wrote right after what happened on the land. Yeah, he's the locust one. Yeah, and of course locusts just they do terrible damage, and so the, it was a judgment from God, and He wanted them to understand that. Um, Amos, um, I don't. There's not. I don't think there's any famous event with him, but he was writing against the northern kingdom and mostly against the rich people who were um, beating beating up on the poor. Although a lot of the prophets talk, talked about that. Um, I 
can't read that one, Matthew. What's that one? Joel. This one's Joel. Jonah. Yes, of course, Jonah. Yeah, very unique. Uh, he, he he was a prophet in the northern kingdom, but who did he prophesy against? Nineveh. Yeah, one of the few prophets in the Old Testament that was successful in his preaching. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't happy with his success. Yeah. Then we have in the southern kingdom we have Isaiah and Hosea. Um, no, I'm sorry, Hosea is in the northern kingdom. Isaiah and Micah were in the southern kingdom. Uh, Isaiah being major and the other two being minor. What's the difference between a major prophet and a minor prophet? Volume. Yeah, how, how much he wrote. That's all. <laughs> I mean, the the smallest one we have in here is Obadiah. I don't see Obadiah here. Oh yeah, there it is. Obadiah, just a chapter. But he might have been as important a person in his work as as Isaiah. I don't know. We, we just we just have his one chapter. Um, so Isaiah was writing in kind of a mixture of times. Uh, the best king in Isaiah's day was Hezekiah, a really fine, fine person. Uh, the worst king in his times was Manasseh, and you don't have any worse than Manasseh. In fact, it's probable that Manasseh was the one that had Isaiah executed, although that's not recorded uh, in the Old Testament. Um, Isaiah in the Old Testament is also the one that most it it, it it has most of what we could call the gospel in the Old Testament. Um, in fact, it even we even notice how it's it's written in two parts, and the per, first part can kind of be cor, correspond with the Old Testament, the second part in the New Testament, and stranger stranger yet. The first part has 39 chapters in it, and the second part has 27 chapters in it for a total of 66. But there weren't 66 books back then, and there weren't chapters either, but it makes it easy to remember anyway. I mean, chapter four, I mean, really, chapter 40 in the book of Isaiah starts with the prophecy of who? John the Baptist, yes. Yeah, I get to Jesus, but but... Isn't that interesting? I mean, here you have the second half of the book, and it starts with the prophecy of John the Baptist, exactly where some of the gospel writers like Luke and Mark start. Yeah, and then and then he goes on. I I, I really think that Isaiah has more prophecies of the Messiah than any other book in the Old Testament, with the possible exception of Psalms, and I haven't counted how many there are in Psalms. But um, Isaiah is just really rich with them. Um, Prophecies of the Messiah, uh, the famous Isaiah 53, talking about the crucifixion. I mean, we sometimes read that at the Lord's table. You read it, and it sounds like it was written by someone standing at the foot of the cross, and yet he wrote it 700 years before Jesus was born. Uh, Hosea, writing to the Northern Kingdom, is a, is also a very unique book. What uh, what's the special uniqueness of Hosea? Yeah, that's a good way to put it. You got to feel like what it's like to be God. How's it feel? It's not much fun. What did he do to get to feel what God felt? Did he marry the the He's the one that married the woman who was had the loose morals, and 
he was so grieved. And he loved this woman. He loved her. But he was just constantly being disappointed by her. And the point is that's how God feels because He's married to His people. He's constantly being disappointed by them when they go off and worship other gods. <clears throat> then coming down a hundred years or more from the time of Isaiah, 150 maybe to the time of Jeremiah, um, and we don't know when Obadiah wrote, so we have to put it somewhere, but Jeremiah is a big one of this time. <clears throat> Jeremiah lived in the worst of the times of the divided kingdom because it was the very end. He lived through the end. Um, he started out in, in with a very good king, Josiah. But once Josiah was killed in battle, it was just terrible. All it um, was it two of his sons and um, three of his. I forget now how many. He had sons and grandsons both that ruled after him. And um, I think the last son, Zedekiah, was a, was a son of his, but in between there had been a grandson. I think, yeah, three sons and one grandson, that's the way it worked, reigned. And every one of them was just terrible. They had... Sometimes they would nominally believe God. Sometimes they were just very much opposed to God. But none of them had faith. And so Jeremiah suffered a lot at that time, being thrown in prison multiple times. He was, he was actually in prison at the time when the Babylonians took over the city. Um, and then after that, he, he wrote a short book called what? Lamentations. Yeah, at least we assume he wrote it. Um, I don't think it has the name on it. But... Um, a poem, kind of like the Book of Psalms, just weeping over over the sadness of Jerusalem and how terrible it was and how it didn't have to happen. It was the people. Then, just be, into the seventy years captivity, although there's an overlap, um, some of these men were were certainly living, and some like Ezekiel was actually writing before they kept before the final captivity that Jeremiah experienced. Uh, Daniel and Ezekiel are the two major prophets that wrote at this time uh, during the 70 years. Both of them have the one thing in common that they're very frequently referred to in the book of Revelation. Um, And then we have three final prophets after they come back. The first two prophesied at the same time. Haggai and Zechariah, and um, they they were concerned with the rebuilding of the temple. And then Malachi wrote a few decades later. He was concerned at the time he was writing. They were they were worshiping in the temple just fine, and they didn't think they had any needs. And he was pointing out, your heart's not in it, and and you're just insulting God with the way you're you're behaving. Um. One that I did skip that would be worth talking about going back to to Habakkuk was an interesting one where um, Habakkuk was asking, how long are you going to let Jerusalem get get away with all their sins? It's just terrible for you not to punish it. And God gave an answer that really surprised him. What was the answer? It's going to bring up nations. 
nation more wicked than they. Yeah, he's going to bring the Babylonians in who are even more wicked than, than Jerusalem. And that puzzled Habakkuk very greatly. And that's what that book is about. Um, Alright, then we turn our attention to the New Testament. And these two lines here, Matthew has, he did not have enough room to put all these, <laughs> all these entries in here because you've got to fit it in within a period of about a hundred years, and I mean, this is a thousand year, years there. So, um, cram all these into this really tiny, tiny space here. Um, the um, the Gospels begin it, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I'm not talking about when they're written, but what they're written about. They were written, of course, some decades after this, but they were written about Jesus. Um, what do we call the first three Gospels? Synoptic. Synoptic Gospels. Uh, synoptic means seeing with a common vision. The, the, those three um, are, the, are very similar to one another. You, oftentimes you have a story in one, it'll be in one of the others, sometimes two of the others. Um, very rarely do you have a story in John that's also in one of the synoptic Gospels. I mean, there's a few obvious at the crucifixion. Um, and there's the feeding of the 5,000 and how he walked on the water after that. But for the most part, John follows a very different... Uh, uh, he has a different purpose and, and he picks out different stories. He, um, it's pretty obvious that he wrote the last of all because he makes reference in his book to, to stories as if you already knew the story. And he'll say, well, this is, this is the woman who anointed Jesus' feet. And he hasn't told us that story yet. But of course, um, it, it's, it's, in the, it's in the synoptic Gospels. He, he picks, uh, his is a very carefully crafted book, just like his, his book of Revelation. He picks seven miracles. And that's all he tells about, just seven. Prior, prior to the resurrection, that is seven miracles. Um, starting with one that's earlier than any of the ones in the Gospels. In fact, he tells us it was the very first. What was that? Yeah, turning the water into wine at the wedding. Um, and the last one, I believe the last one recorded in the Gospel of John is the raising of Lazarus. Um, then, in, in the chronological order, the book of Acts picks up right at the very end and overlaps a little bit. Who wrote the book of Acts? Yeah, and he just he intended it to be the sequel to the book of Luke. He refers back to the book of Luke when he covers it. And, and the book of Acts primarily covers two apostles. Who are those two? Peter and Paul. Yeah. First third of the book covers Peter. Second two thirds covers Paul. Um, how many journeys of Paul does it cover? Three, three missionary journeys and one journey to Rome to be a, as a prisoner. And during that time, a number of the epistles were written. Uh, most of the, the ones that are green are all by Paul, and we know when they were written pretty much. Uh, first and second Thessalonians being the first ones. Um, Romans, before he had ever been to Rome, writing to introduce himself to the church there. Corinthians dealing with problems in the in the church of Corinth, Galatians problems in the church of Galatia. Then he had we have his prison epistles. When he was in Rome as a prisoner, he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, 
Paul right about at the same time, except for um, Philippians. We should move Philippians a, a few months later. Because when he wrote Philippians, he expected to be getting out of prison pretty soon. Um, which um, did happen from, from what he says in uh, 2 Timothy. So then the 1 Timothy and Titus were both written when he was back out of prison. And 2 Timothy was written when he was in prison for the second time. And of course, that ended in his execution. Um, other books written, we don't know, we really don't know when these other books are written. It would be um, Hebrews, James, um, first and second Peter, Jude, first, second, and third John, and then um, the book of Revelation, intended, I'm convinced, intended by God to be the final word in the in the story, because as we we looked at the picture that I did at the beginning, that the book of Revelation is what finally puts us back where God intended us to be at the end of Genesis chapter one. Any last questions or thoughts on the whole Bible? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll start Hebrews chapter 1 next week. Appreciate everyone's help. We get the whole Bible, do we have to come back? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah.